knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm here today with a special guest, Elliot Snyder from Freelance Duck Hunting. What's up, Elliot? Oh, I'm I'm honored and glad to be on your podcast. I like what you're doing here. I'm always glad when you guys can come on. And guys, uh, right off the bat, just to say this, check out him, Elliot's, and Jordan's podcast, Duck Gun Podcast. They do them every week, and they have awesome guests, awesome topics, good things, a lot of stuff you can learn from there. And we basically you know, kind of a brother podcast. I'm the, I'm the little brother to the big brother. So <laughs> we're, uh, it's always an honor to have him and Jordan and anybody from the Flyways Collective on the podcast today. But it's been a little while since we've done any dog stuff on here, unfortunately. And I apologize for that because I know a lot of people really liked listening to the, the, the dog stuff. And Elliot, you texted me a couple of weeks ago, or whatever, and mentioned it. And I said, that is a great idea. I've been wanting to, talk dog stuff and i've seen your stuff that you going got going on with your dog and i just uh wanted to touch we wanted to touch bases and thought it would be a great topic to discuss yeah well um you know you are about let's see what rocky has too many two years under his belt of hunting, yeah this right? will be his third season yep this will be his third season so you're a couple of years ahead of me but pretty similar in our training as far as you know trying to step up our game and go yep. to the next level so i had been wanting to just talk to you about you know just interesting conversations just kind of how it went with from with you and rocky from you know age zero to where you're at now as georgie goes through that same phase and i thought that would just be interesting to record because yeah it's, it's cool content yeah and it'll be something that kind of look cool to look back on down the road and see what kind of our struggles were you know at the moment and then what they are down the road because there's i think i kind of feel like there's always going to be something you find out in the field that you didn't hear when you were learning from your instructor or someone that was teaching you like for my for instance myself chris aiken mm-hmm. you know i've called him on the phone and you're good good friends now with chris jobman correct yep and they're buddies they're really good yeah friends and i talked to chris about that he's like oh yeah chris you know they're t- it's funny so it's it's like a small world it's crazy it all comes yeah. back around, and and we're friends, and it just it's pretty neat. I would um I've I've never really said this on here, but 
I would really, really like to go back there. And Chris said I could. I'd really like to just go back there and spend a couple days and watch them train their dogs and just look at their facility. I think it'd be pretty neat. You got a kind of a yeah, chance to do that with Chris Jobman, didn't you? Well, I was up there when I got Georgie, and but I've never actually spent time just hanging out there. And I was actually just thinking about that same thing the other day. I would love to go up there and hang out for like a week or something. We had talked about about that at some point. Um, you know, me coming up and bringing Georgie and and getting some some pointers. You know, Chris Jobman has kind of been my mentor through the process, and Chris Aiken has kind of been your mentor through the process. And their training styles. I mean, their training styles. Uh, their philosophies are the same. I mean, yeah. they all have their own little nuances. Right. Their philosophies are very very similar, which I find really interesting. Um, at, and you training Rocky and, and me training George, but I would, they have seminars. I know they were going to do a seminar together. Were they really? Um, I believe so. I'm pretty sure last year it got canceled by COVID. Um, oh, now is Chris Aiken in, is he in Arkansas? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's where they were going, but they do. I know that Chris Jama does seminars and, and stuff and I would love to, I mean, those type of guys, the more you can talk to them or hang out with oh, them, man. it's so much information. Mm-hmm. It's just unbelievable yeah just little things i mean just those little things and it's just like you in one minute they can say oh man no big deal because you know you're you're kind of like shaky ground on shaky ground film like oh what did i screw something up and yeah. you talk to them for 30 seconds and they're so encouraging and they're so just like oh it's not a big deal and it just kind of really yeah. encourages you and thinks oh, okay i can get through this you know especially you've already trained izzy maybe not like you said, to the level that you're going to train Georgie and you already are training mm-hmm. Georgie, but like you, mm-hmm. ha- you do know certain things and you have more experience than I did, but man, it's, um, it's been really fun and I won't have any other way. And I, I kind of feel like right now, and I'm kind of jumping ahead of the horse, but I want to hear a lot from your training and things that you're going through and I'll relate when I can, which I'm sure is most of it. But one of the things I want to say right off the bat is I kind of feel like, and I don't mean this. I don't mean this like because I feel like I can't teach Rocky anymore. I just feel like I got him to where I want him because honestly, I ordered the the number one DVD. And for you guys who are listening, that a lot of you people have been uh, that listen to the show have been emailing me saying you're getting a new pup. And I just want to tell you guys, uh, uh, good luck, and I and you can do it. Just be patient. But uh, m- most people are like, I'm just gonna get him to get my ducks and come back, right? And that's really all my deal was is order DVD one, which is really can get you what you need if you just want that. But then after I did, I was like, man, this is a blast. Like I actually really enjoyed training him and it's really fun to see it at work in the field. So then I it can I moved on and started doing more things, you know, like advanced training, what is what Chris calls it. And so right but right now I said all to say to say this, I pretty much feel like I'm at the point where I'm done. There ain't really much. I know there's a couple more things that I could do with them, and I always want to get them better, but I feel like I'm really happy. Once I got the hand signals down, I feel like it's going to really be dialed in this year, like even better than last. I feel like I'm pretty happy. Besides scenarios, like hunting in the ice, I mm-hmm. I, I would love to get him in more ice to get him acclimated to that and getting used to that, but I don't know how feasible that is, especially with all the issues with flying. But I want to hear, Elliot, your maybe let's backtrack not to exactly where you are at this moment, but let's go back a little bit and talk about some of the things, maybe struggles and victories that you had in training Georgie. Um, 
And like, sure. let's say, like, where would you like to start? Because I mean, there's so many well, things we can start quick, with. Well, quick background: the Georgie is my third retriever. The okay. first one, I did not try to train at all. I was just on a whim. I got this half lab, half half golden retriever out of the paper, and it happened to have crazy desire to hunt. But mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't train it at all, and uh, it was a mess to hunt with. But it was a great little retriever. Just I didn't do any training, so it just she did whatever she wanted. Then I got Izzy. And my goal with Izzy was be steady and bring everything back to me. And that was it. And um, I'm, so I trained her to that level and I just didn't try to, didn't do anything. And I did, I trained Izzy with, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the water, the book Water Dog, which I've learned from multiple people that's kind of outdated compared to like how Chris Aiken and Chris Jobman um, trained. But that's the book I used and it was successful to what I wanted her to do. She was very easy to hunt with. She was steady. She was well behaved in the blind. But that's all I tried for you. Now, Izzy was, um, you know, she, I bought her for about $350. So she had some, she was bred to be a hunting dog and she had some really good bloodlines, but it was diluted. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, mm-hmm. all of the really certified, well-achieved dogs in her bloodline were, you know, two, three dogs removed. So uh, she didn't have near the ability that Georgie has. So when I, when I got Georgie, I decided, you know what, I'm going to be really serious about this and I'm just going to see where I can get her. I'm going to follow a a system, which I followed. Um, Chris Jobin said, you need to either get Chris Aiken CBDs or, um, you know, the retrievertrainer.com, which is Mm -hmm. Freddie King. And he's kind of in that same network. In fact, Mm -hmm. I believe that Freddie King filmed the DVDs that Chris Aiken put out, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, really? So. Yeah, they're they're all in the same yeah. you know philosophy and everything. So uh-huh. I followed that system, and I mean I've gotten Georgie farther now than than what I would have expected to get to. I didn't know how quickly I would get to hand signals, and um, I've not I have not gotten her through water tea. I've not even done any water tea. So I I stalled out in land tea because I made some mistakes, and that can kind of go into a struggle that I had. I made some a bad mistake with Lanty. I got overly confident with her progression. Mm-hmm. And do you want to, I don't know how, should we just, should we explain what Lanty is? Yeah, just explain it for a second so everybody knows that hasn't maybe made to that point yet. Okay, so when, when, you're, when you're trying to teach hand signals or what they call casting to your to your dogs there's a progression that you're supposed to go through so the first thing that you do right after force fetch um which force fetch force fetch was an interesting process for me as well it took off took almost two months yeah we can talk about that mm-hmm. um, so, uh, later on if you want to mm-hmm. as well but for sure once you get them through force fetch you do forced pile which is um you know you put a pile of bumpers down at about you know 50 yards and you just um you say fetch and then you nick them and then as they move farther you say fetch and nick them again and it just forces them to go out to the pile and come back mm-hmm. and you want to you do that for you know five or six sessions until your dog is perfect on that and that's that's the beginning of teaching blinds mm-hmm. and so after that you will put um a pile of bumpers over to the right and then a pile of bumpers back into the left mm-hmm. and so there's a person you go through um, and basically, without being too specific, I just started skipping steps. So oh, she had you? forced to, yeah, she had forced to pile uh-huh. down really well. And um, so I went into the land. Well, what's, tea, but what once skip I, did, or what step did you skip, Elliot? 
Well, once I got into Lanty, um, I, I did that a few days and she was doing great and I got overconfident. So then what I started doing was I kind of started setting up obstacle courses. I basically just didn't listen to Freddie's videos anymore. I just, Oh, I want to do this cause this would be fun. <laughs> so I would set up an obstacle mm-hmm. course around my yard where I knew where one bumper was. So I would send her out, set her down and then hand signal that direction. She did that and she got every one. But what the, the, the problem is that she's, Somewhere along the line, she lost the idea that I've got to go straight and continue to go completely straight until I'm told. So mm. for one, she started, um, um, I think it's, I think it's called, they call it popping, where she would not know it was and sit down before I whistled her. But the main thing is she just wasn't taking a straight line. She would, um, she would kind of guess where she thought the bumper was. Oh, yeah. She might, instead of going straight, she might go mm-hmm. off to the left. I could always whistle set her. And hand direct her to it, and she found every single one, but I just she wasn't going straight like gotcha. I needed her to. Yeah. So at that point, I'm like, okay, we're this was I'd made this decision like two or three weeks ago. I'm like, we're getting pretty close to season. I'm gonna go back to force to pile, and I'm just gonna do force to pile at longer distances and just do that a bunch. And the first time I went back to force to pile, she would I would put like five or six bumpers out there. She would go and for the first four, and then on the fifth one, she would veer off and go off in a different direction. So she wasn't even perfect on force to pile anymore because mm-hmm. she was she was so used to like where I'd been putting bumpers and stuff. She started kind of guessing oh. and not trusting what I'm telling her to do. It, be, it became less of a team game for her and more of like, well, I think it's over here, and if I'm not sure, I'll just mm-hmm. sit down and look at it. Yeah, yeah. You know. So I'm like, all right, I'm just backing way up because I, I, I my plan was to get clear through water tea and then stop there before season. But once I realized that she wasn't taking a straight line as far as I needed her to, I'm like, I'm just going to back up and kind of just rest there. And I've gone back to the, to the full T now, but the way, the way that Freddie King teaches it that I never got to is you've got your back pile at about 80 yards or maybe it was a hundred yards. And then you've got a right and a left at about 75 and mm-hmm. you've got a right and a left at about 35. Oh, so okay. He does a little it, extra then. That's actually that's actually a good idea. I mean, that's a good. I I don't know if I would do that at, for me. I don't know if I would have did that at first because Chris teaches a uh, Aiken teaches it just the three because that mm-hmm. which obviously represents a T, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. that does actually sound like something fun for me to do now with Rocky since he's more advanced to mm-hmm. add in a little bit instead of him expecting to stop in this one spot which would be considered the pitcher's mound is kind of how yeah. Chris describes it I could even stretch that out and make a whole nother spot for him to break uh cast him left or right that's a that's pretty interesting yeah and the problem with that drill is I live in the country and I got five acres but a lot of it's woods and I don't have the have mm. the space to do that full yeah. drill. um so I've got to go um, to different places, but I, I haven't built back to that. So I'm just making sure now when, when we go out and hunting, I will give her hand signals. Cause I mean, she's anytime I whistle, she sets, she looks, mm-hmm. she'll yeah, turn I to the right, video. turn to the left. Yeah. She's, but I, I, and then off season, my goal will be to really firm her up on, on all of that. And then I haven't even looked beyond that, what the next step is um, in the training on the, in the progression, but, I'll get to that, but I don't think I'll mess with it during hunting season. I don't. I don't know. I'm curious of what um, Freddie King's is, but I know I, I'm pretty sure. Now, don't quote me because 
good not doing it from the get-go now i'm like man it's slowly starting to leave me like people ask steps and processes i'm already mm. been out of it long enough to now it don't it only takes a couple years and i'm already like man what was the step before that step now i can't remember but yeah. i'm pretty sure for aiken's way he after you do the um water because you go from field teas um our land mm. teas to water teas Mm-hmm. And then you go back to the, um, I forgot what he calls it, but basically you'll set bumpers up way out there, like blind retrieve. It's basically blind retrieves, and you'll mm-hmm. set them up there way out there, 100 plus, 200 yards. And the, the goal is getting them to run in a straight line directly where you send in them and get them to run and find that blind retrieve, and then they don't even know where it's at. And that's very challenging. I actually... That was the last thing I did with Rocky before season started last year because I had already did the water tees, which after land tees, to me, water tees was easy except for the part what they call, and I don't know if you remember this in the videos or if um, Freddie mentions this, but it's getting them to float. Did they talk about that? So like, say Um, if you're doing a water tee, you got bumpers left, bumpers the right, and one straight out, and then say I send him to the one straight ahead, and I say back. He jumps in the water, swims, swims. I whistle. He turns around. Now he's in water, mind you. Mm -hmm. He's supposed to turn around and swim in place, so to speak. They almost call it floating, where he is almost not even paddling. He's just kind of floating. Mm -hmm. But Chris, I had called Chris about that. I said, man... He keeps wanting to swim at me, which I figured was going to be a problem because now he's in the water, so he feels like he has to keep moving. Mm-hmm. So when you whistle and he trans- turns around to look at you, he they'll have a tendency, and I don't know what Georgie will do, but Rocky and I've heard other dogs have a tendency to either, when they turn around to look at you, only look at you for a split second or two because they're wanting, they're swimming, and they're not panicked because they don't mind the water, but they're like, I got to stay moving. So they're either going to swim right back to you or they're going to look at you and then kind of guess what you want and do it without you telling them. And that was actually yeah. really interesting. And Rocky, he Chris talks about making them float for like eight to ten seconds before you send them to train them. They've got to stay looking at you till you send them because like say if you're in the timber where it's a little bit darker or that you're all in camo and they can't see you as good, it takes them a couple seconds to verify where you're at because when they turn around the water, okay, it gives, give them a second or two to find okay there's there's my boss there he is now which way is he want me to go and then you got to send him so it's going to take four or five seconds for that whole transaction to take place and i kind of got I, I think the longest i ever had rocky float was about five seconds and he wouldn't move but i didn't really push it farther than that maybe i should have you know yeah yeah but it's interesting it's yeah, fun I, it's challenging it is it's a lot more fun than what um, I expected it. Same here. I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I thought, you know, I've never really been like when I trained Izzy, I never really considered it fun and looked forward to it. Um, but I just didn't, I had such basic goals with her yeah. and I don't know with Georgie, maybe it's because she comes from, you know, one of the best kennels in America, yeah. from one of the best trainers in America. And I'm, I'm posting stuff about it on YouTube. And I mean, she's such a, fast dynamic little dog and maybe part of that is just maybe it's partly my pride i don't know know, but i've really enjoyed it a lot more than i expected well she's she's a lightning bolt and you know and i don't how let me ask you this um just for future reference because i know for a fact 100 percent when i buy my next dog 
Um, I'm definitely buying it from Chris Aiken's kennel. We had talked about it, and to me, mm-hmm. the pricing was very fair, especially coming from the bloodlines they're coming from. But mm-hmm. um, I told him, and he agreed, and I was like, okay, cool. He feels the same way. He goes, you want a dog that is a 100% firecracker out the gate for duck hunting, totally amped up but under control, but mm-hmm. you also want a dog that's going to lay on the couch with you and relax. And I said, you nailed it. I said, that's, see, Rocky is way too on the side of mellow and it's fine. Cause it is, I think it was good for me to have the first dog I trained to be that way. Because if I would have had an amped up one, I probably would have really lost my temper with, cause it's very oh, yeah. easy to get frustrated. Um, not always, but some, there was some things like force fetch that I could, I got really frustrated with and I just had to walk away. And I, I feel like I was pretty disciplined in it. Cause I'm kind of a person that likes, I can get impatient with certain things. But I feel like I did really good only because I knew what was coming because I was warned in videos and by Chris. But like uh, having his temperament is just so it's really laid back and you can see it in the videos. You know, he'll he'll run out there pretty hard, but he's such a big, thick barrel chested dog that Mm -hmm. she's not designed like uh, Georgie is to have that speed and efficiency and just go get him like, you know. And that, and I want that in the next dog, but I also want them to be able to relax. I'm curious, how's Georgie? Does she, can she tame way down when it's time to not train anymore? I mean, I know she's oh, still yeah. young, so mm-hmm. no, she's been the easiest puppy that I've had. In fact, really, um, Chris Jobman talks about it. You want your dog to have a switch, yes, yes, where you know they can turn off the and, and there's there's things that you do through the training process, and I, I I'm pretty sure that Chris was talking to me about it. Um, things that you do to help them learn how to turn it on and off. But as far as a house dog, she has been un- for for the for the amount of energy that she has and the athleticism and and the drive, she is super chill That's in awesome. the house. She's, That's awesome. Yeah, we, just That's hit a, a good bloodline right there. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, her her dad was is probably the most. Well, Chris Jama said the fastest, most athletic dog he's ever had in his kennel. Wow. So, and then, then that's not even the number one dog in his kennel. His number one dog is, is a dog called Jet, who's already in the Hall of Fame. And, and yeah, and, and you mentioned the pricing. I, and I don't know whether it's appropriate to say what the price is, but I feel like that they could sell them for a lot more. Knowing what some of the other kennels sell, especially the, you know, the, the British mm-hmm. dogs, which mm-hmm. are kind of a fad thing. Mm-hmm. Knowing what they're selling those for, and I mean, these guys are, if you go and you look at the AKC and the, what's the other, what's the other division? AKC uh, and the HRC maybe? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. What was the other one? Now I can't believe. Well, if you go and look and see who's putting dogs in those championships, it's the people that are following the training system of Chris Aiken, Chris Jobman. It's, it's that pressure and pressure release training system. Those are the guys that are putting dogs into the Hall of Fame. Those are the dogs, the guys that are that are showing up in mass to the championships with their dogs. Mm-hmm. And for for everything they're doing, I feel like they're honestly, I feel like the dogs are underpriced. Mm-hmm. Well, I, really I mean, I don't know. Do you think it's inappropriate? Because I feel like it's public information for Aiken. I could, I could, I guess I could say what his dogs run for. He said it's no secret. I yeah, mean, okay. they're okay. So, non trained, untrained, where you're doing it yourself, you're just picking up the puppy. He was telling me 1500 to 2500. I don't know if you know what Jawman's is, but I mean, 
His I was is like, a little bit cheaper. Georgie okay. was twelve fifty, mm-hmm. and I know I've got a friend that just got a pup out of Jet's litter, and Jet's already mastered. He's in the Hall of Fame, and and that was a fifteen hundred dollar dog. Or no, okay. maybe it was an eight. Maybe it was eighteen hundred dollar dog. Yeah, and, and to me, okay, maybe three years ago, I would have thought, nah, I ain't paying that much. You know, whatever. I won't even bat an eye anymore because yeah, what that comes with, like what you got. And what mm-hmm. Chris Aiken and Jobin, all them, Freddie King, that those bloodlines is huge. Like, yeah, he was telling me he goes, Titus, those dogs will do things, and without even training because it's in their blood. He goes, you can't even train the things they do. Like, for yeah. instance, bringing two ducks back at one time, you can't train a dog to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's necessary. I don't expect Rocky to bring two back or whatever. But it's just it's just certain things that they are just they're so smart and they love it so much they're it's almost like they're not human you know what I mean are they're it's yeah. almost like they're not a dog they're almost human it's 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 weird and I yeah. and I, well, so I, I mean, can see it you know they have been bred generation after generation after generation for the exact qualities that mm-hmm. we want as hunters yeah and if you picking up a dog like I did for Izzy for three hundred fifty dollars. You might get a really good one. You might get a really bad one. Yeah. But it's it's diluted bloodlines. You mm-hmm. know, it's 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 selection, mm-hmm. and they're they're selecting the traits and qualities that we want as hunters, and they're they're breeding it. You know, year after year after year after year after year. And so when you get one of these high powered dogs, that's what you're getting. You're getting, you know, you're getting a basketball reference. You're getting Michael Jordan's son. Right. You know. Right. I mean, who, if you want an NBA kid, you want Michael Jordan's son, or do you want Titus's son? You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. It's really you may be both good at basketball in your own respects, but uh-huh. one played—I don't know if you played high school basketball or not. I guess I use myself. I played high school, and so I might have a kid that's decent at basketball, but right. Michael Jordan's kid, you know. And that's really it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. It's really as simple as that. Mm-hmm. It is, and it's no offense to any. Like I said, you know, I'm—I don't. My, I got my, Rocky from my dad, and and he actually had a couple good little because he's AKC, and he has got a couple um, champion um, uh, sires in in the bloodline, not far back, like only two back. In fact, one of his his I think it's his grandpa or great grandpa was in Ducks Unlimited, which doesn't mean you're a good duck dog, but I supposedly that dog was a stud too. But so I mean he has good stuff in there. I think that's fortunately that for me, you know, that worked out really good. My dad, you know, spent some time getting the 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 mom from a good kennel and then bred her with Rocky's dad with a good, you know. And so it's good and everything. And it's no offense to that. I love Rocky. Like I would I would I'd I'd lose it honestly if something happened to Rocky, you know, before his mm-hmm. time and so I don't mean it like that. I don't want to say like I have no heart for him. He's an incredible dog, and I'm super. I, he's my buddy. You know what I mean. But mm-hmm. but for next time, learning. You know, I know what I can fine tune things a little bit more and get a little bit more out of what you want. But yeah, and I feel the same way about Izzy. I mean, mm-hmm. I I ab. She was the perfect dog for me at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. You know, I my first dog was. Horrible to hunt with. She wasn't steady. She would had more desire. I mean, her desire was crazy. And she was just a complete pain in the ass mm-hmm. to hunt with. And what I needed as my second dog was Izzy. So just chill, low desire, but easy to hunt with. Do all right. the basics, you know. And and I love her to death. But you, there's something really, really cool 
about having a dog that's bred to this level. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's something very, very special. I was talking to, we had Chris Jobin on our podcast and he was telling a story about how, when he first got into training and he had, um, I can't remember what kind of, what dog kind of dog. Anyway, he was going to the, the trials and just watching mm-hmm. and he was seeing all these high powered dogs and he's like, man, I want one of those dogs. I mean, he could tell the difference. Oh, I remember listening to that one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the, I mean, my wife makes fun of me because I talk about it so much because it made me feel so good. And he's like, Elliot, you got one of those dogs, you know. Uh-huh. And there's a sense of pride about that. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's just very, very special and very cool. And then yeah. to see them, like you said, they have this inset. Everything was, for my level of training, everything seems so easy to Georgie. It's like she'd learn things just so quickly. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. – during, during the whole process, I'm like, I know that I'm not doing well. I know that I'm making lots of mistakes. I have to be. Mm-hmm. But she's just getting it. She's mm-hmm. just getting it. And, and I did make mistakes along the way, but um, she just picked everything up quick. Well, I did go slow, though. I say quick. I mean, she's 15 months old, and I still haven't got to water tea. So I went really, really slow. Mm-hmm. But I felt like that the only reason that it was going slow was me, not her. You know, I right. felt like she was picking things up just super fast. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's get into force fetch. How was that for you? And explain that process that you went through. Yeah. Well, I started it late. And so I started it when she's at about a year. And I think ideally, from my understanding, about eight months is if they're ready, that's about the perfect time to do it. But mm-hmm. I was moving nice and slow, taking my time. I knew I had a year and a half, so there was no rush, which I was really happy about yeah. the way it set up. I got her in July, and so she was too young, in my opinion, and from the consultation that I've gotten from everyone, that that was too young to hunt her the first year. So I had lots of time. And um, mm-hmm. so I didn't start with force fetch until about a year, and we had Chris Jobman on um, the podcast, and he did a whole hour on force fetch and and man it was so helpful so there was three stages the way i tried to do it was in three stages the first stage was just getting her to hold Mm -hmm. and then the second stage was add adding the ear pinch Mm -hmm. um with the bumper and get her to fetch it um starting off just up close and then moving clear onto the ground and then adding in the e-collar with the ear pinch and the e-collar so there was three steps to it Mm -hmm. and um, because I didn't start her until she was a year, she developed some bad mouthing problems on her retrieves where she just wanted to, I wouldn't call it a hard mouth, but when she brings back a dummy, she's just squeezing it in her mouth, just squeezing mm, it. Okay. And then she'll sit, she'll sit and heal and she'll, and she's still squeezing it. And so that caused me a huge, huge problem. But when I first started just with the hold, ah, oh man she just didn't want to do it. I mean, mm-hmm. she didn't want to hold it. And when she held it, she just wanted to constantly gnaw on it, squeeze it and squeeze it. Mm-hmm. I did, I probably did five, five weeks on just hold where mm-hmm. it was just sticking in her mouth. And then, and then um, no ear pinch at that point. It's just getting them to hold it. Right. And then, you know, you get to the point and I thought I was done um, after a few weeks. And, and so I, I sent a little video to Chris and I was like, what do you think? I think I'm done. He's like, um, have you tried walking around her and see if she, cause she was sitting and she was holding it and she's like, try walking around her and try healing her. Um, and I tried that and she just completely fell apart. I mean, she, and so he said, yep, you're, I knew it. You're not done. So huh. I went another like two or three weeks to the point where she would sit and hold it. 
she would walk it heel with me. I could circle around her and, and to where she would just, she would just hold it. Um, with some, but she still did that some minor chewing. I wanted, I wanted her to sit there, hold it like a little statue. Right. Right. And so he told me, he's like, well, because you started at one, she, she has formed this habit of that kind of gnawing on it. And so you just move on. He said, that's going to be, I don't, I don't think I have the skill level to break it basically. And it's really just more annoying than anything else. Um, mm. and, and, and it's, she still does it. And I'm sure, I'm sure that you'll see that, she'll, that she, she'll do it. Now she didn't do it with the pigeons as much, but then I moved on to the ear pinch and where I was just saying, fetch it and trying to get her to, to do that. And the problem I had here is this dog loves bumpers. Like, I mean, I cannot tell you how much she loves bumpers. So I, it was difficult for me because I mean, there was, I couldn't hardly ear pinch because anytime I said fetch it, I mean, bam, she was on it. Like, you know I mean? Like she mm-hmm. had, like it was water and she had, was just getting out of the desert. So <laughs> my understanding is if you have that problem, you have to get to the point where they don't want to do it. And then you're still forcing them to do it. And that was my whole problem. I couldn't get her to not want to do it because the thing that happens is if, if everything you're doing, they want to do, then you get out in the field and all of a sudden they don't want to do it. Right. Then they're not going to do it. You yeah, have yeah, to get them yeah. to the point where they don't want to do it and uh, you're forcing them to it. Uh-huh. But I, I did, I, I only found a couple of scenarios where she didn't When For some reason, when I went to a three inch diameter bumper, Right when I went to that, she didn't want to pick it up because we had always worked with the two-inch diameter bumpers, and I threw out a three-inch diameter just by luck, and because it was different, she was just kind of like, no, I, I, this is not what I do. I go after these two-inch bumpers. And so I had about a two-day period where she was refusing to um, fetch the, that three-inch bumper, and that's when I really got in most of my work with the ear pinch and forcing her to do it. And, but that, the whole ear pinching and bringing in the collar to the ear pinching, that was like a week, week and a half. I mean, she just, she went through that with flying colors really, really quickly. Mm. So, it, but the whole process was like somewhere between, might've been eight weeks. I mean, it was a long time. I agree. I, I, I feel like I spent four to six, possibly eight weeks on that, um, I might have did it in six. Not that it really matters on it, just how much time. Because I started after two weeks of it, doing it three or four times a week. I realized, wait a minute, this is not going to work. Like I have to do this like three times a day. Because I had mm-hmm. watched one of his videos and he talked about do it for five minutes, three times a day. Because that's why I tell people in the videos, like you only need 10, 15 minutes. Because I felt the same way. Yeah. You need all this time. You just got to spend hours out there with this dog. It's not true. You no. can train a fully trained, ready, 100% dog with 10 minutes to 15 minutes a day. I know that people yeah. don't have, have a hard time believing that, but you can. And um, I, so I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do because it was getting frustrating. So what I, what I started out with was a leather glove and would stick it in his mouth. And you got to make sure you clear the lips because obviously if they're biting down on their lip, they're not going to want to do it. So... You put, I'd put the glove in their mouth, and my thumb would grab the bottom of their his chin or jaw, and I would hold it in there, kind of force it in there, pull his top lips up with my right hand, pull them out so make sure they're not stuck in there, clamp down and say, hold, hold, hold. And he, at, while I'm doing that, he's kind of jerking back, like trying to, what are you doing? You're gagging me, you're choking me, whatever. 
and you're petting them saying hold and make them do it for three, four, five seconds and then and then say leave or release or whatever word you use. I use I use leave just because that's what Chris said. But I take it out, stick it back in and do that for five straight minutes and then stop. Go inside, come back a couple hours later, we do the same thing and did that for like a week. And before long, you just put it in there, he'd hold it. No problem. Mm-hmm. He's not, like you said, he's not chewing, super soft mouth, but he's holding it and just leave it, leave it, leave it. And then we then we moved into the ear pinch. And, and if people are listening, thinking, well, you're pinching your dog's ear. What are you doing? You're being mean to your dog. No, it's not like that. It's a pressure. That's all it is. It's not hurting the dog. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're just putting pressure on the ear. And like you said, that would be challenging having a dog that wants it because at that point, I felt like Rocky didn't want the bumper. So, yeah, that was a struggle, but it might have made it easier on the back end. I didn't think about it making, if they wanted it, and make it harder on the other side. I see what you're saying. But it, he pinched the yeah. ear, and he'd, uh, like, uh, you know, kind of squirm and yelp a little bit. And I wouldn't be even pinching hard at all. And it, finally, he'd go down. He And once he, once the dog registers that that's what they're supposed to do, do then no matter where you stuck it, I always did it in the back of my truck where he was up, like, head level with me. Mm-hmm. And he would just finally, he's boom, 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 wherever I'd stick it, he'd pick it up. So yeah, that would, yeah, it was, but it was, it was just, he would like to drop it a lot or he'd hold it like a cigar in his mouth and that would drive yeah. me nuts. Like that would make yeah, me George, so mad. Me and I, I asked Chris, I go, Chris, does that matter? Like maybe it doesn't matter, but that drives me nuts. He just started laughing. He's not like, no, as long as they're holding it, he's all, they won't do that when they're holding a duck or something. And I said, okay, well. It just don't look right, so it would drive me nuts. It'd just be me too. There. It yeah. looked it looked lazy to me. Is what it looked yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. Well, you want your dog to look like you want them perfect. You want right. them to sit there like a little statue and hold. And Jordan did the same thing. She would just, I'd let go and she'd gnaw on the bumper, play, flip it around in her mouth. And next thing you know, she's barely holding it like a cigar. And I'm like, just like that, I'm just drives you crazy. <laughs> but I did the same thing. I was doing too. And well, luckily for me, the bulk of my training when the pandemic happened and i was working at home i had all day oh nice for months and months and months i was six months i just went back to work so i was six months without working so i could do two or three a days Mm -hmm. and i did three a days during that process too which made a big difference but you're right about the 15 minutes i was told do not go over 15 minutes Mm -hmm. especially with something like four stages like you set a timer you make sure that you're not going past this certain thing so yeah if if people think it's it's a really time consuming it's not i mean even if you if you do four or five days a week you can even skip a couple and i try not sure but if you need to you can and you're talking 15 minutes a day once twice a day it's 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 no big deal and it's bonding and it's fun the problem is people that live in town yeah have have a disadvantage because i've got plenty of space see i live in town but i which is i used i've grown up in the country so you know it's not my favorite definitely not my choice where i'd rather live i'd rather live in the country but i got a high school right next to us and they just have so much open field grass field so it's, it actually looks like a training ground and no nice. one's ever out there so i that's just i literally could walk there in two minutes so it's really nice but yeah they would you know just this this the lazy hold and just stuff like that which i guess didn't matter as long as they were holding it it just irked me you know but yeah. he would do that and so i think that was I might have struggled with him for a week, maybe probably wasting time just trying to get him to hold it perfect because that would just bug me so bad. Mm-hmm. But then, then I, yeah, I moved into the e-collar and you're giving him a nick, you know, like on a low level, you know, fetch it up. And then they're like, whoa. At first, they're like, what's going on? Why are you, 
Why am I feeling this in my neck? Why are you doing this? And then, they, and then, like you said, with the ear pinch and that, the you're doing it together, so they don't really notice the nick. And I, I, I'm not telling you this; I'm telling people that are listening. But sure. they're, yeah. you, you know, you're doing it at the same time because they're used to the ear pinch now. But then they're nicking them, and then you stop ear pinching and just nicking it, and then it's boom. It's and then, you know, like you said, I don't. This might have not been exactly what you meant, but then we moved to the ground finally, and. We would just do heel, and he would walk with it, and he would fetch it up. I'd throw it right there, and he, we'd be stand there, and he'd be sitting in heel position, and I'd say fetch it up, and he'd boom, he'd grab it, and he'd hold it, and sit back down, and hold, hold, mm-hmm. and then I'd say heel, and we would walk around, and he'd walk around with that bumper in his mouth. He really did good in that. Walked around, walked around, and then I would, uh, after we did that for a couple days, a week, whatever, then I would put bumpers in a row, like you know, like five about. 15 feet apart and then walk he'd be healing walking boom fetch it up and he'd boom grab it take it out of his mouth and keep going so this it's just it's so funny to see the process and it's funny to hear you say and it's it, i'm not giving you a hard time at all for it but the natural instinct is so much of us as humans to want to once we start getting things rolling with the training of a dog your natural instinct is just to want to start doing it yourself and you think you got yeah. it figured out and mm-hmm. then when you miss a step, then you got to backtrack because there were some things I did that with. I, I missed a step and I didn't do it purposely. I just didn't must have skipped over it in the video. And I'm like, why is he not getting this? And then I watched the video again. I'm like, crud, I missed this whole piece. Went back, retrained him through that. And I was like, well, there you go. It just proves that the building, you have to follow the building blocks. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely accurate. It's easy to get overconfident when your dog's doing well. Yeah. And start kind of like I've had to have so a couple times where mentally I've had some ridiculous thought. I'm like, dude, you're a total amateur. You don't know what you're doing. Don't sit here and think that you're some great trainer. You're not at all. You know, you're following a system. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. you're following a system, and you've got a hybrid dog, and you get lots of help, and you have to text people to help you, and and that's fine. It's part. It's no, part of the yeah. process. Nothing wrong with that. It's easy when you're feeling like your dog's doing so great to think that. You're doing, you know, <laughs> you're a good dog. You can trainer. step outside of it, you know, think you're yeah. better than you are. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I don't know, there's no number like, okay, you've trained three dogs, you've trained four dogs. I'm never going to call myself a dog trainer. But obviously, after the third dog to where you're doing it r- right and you're doing it good mm-hmm. and you're doing it and you've had good dogs, I would say, okay, yeah, I'm comfortable with training a really, really good dog. But mm-hmm. I would, I'm still going to go back to the videos and I'm going to take my notes and make sure I don't miss anything because, like I was telling you, by the time I train another dog, even though I trained Rocky to be what he is and I know how to fix things, I, I can't remember the exact steps. I have to go back and watch the videos and take my yeah. and look at my old notes again, you know? Yeah, so I think it would be with guidance, I'm capable of training a dog Oh, to to where people would say, "Wow, that's a well trained." Yes, dog. yeah. At least, I mean, now if I send videos of what my dog is doing to a professional, they think it's sloppy because right. it's just they're at a whole different level. But yeah. your average Joe Hunter will see Rocky or will see Georgie and oh. be like, "Wow, that's a really well trained dog." You know, I can only imagine how pumped you are to see her out in the field. I can't even comprehend yeah. it, especially for I'll the fact that you had to wait through a whole. Kind of a season. I mean, she was still a pup, but you're like, okay, I have this, have this pup, but I can't do nothing until next year. So I can only imagine your excitement. 
I'm really, really excited. And, I, and I'm trying to just tell myself, okay, I've, I've seen dogs on their first hunt. And yeah. Izzy's first hunt, actually, she was fantastic. But yeah. I've seen dogs on their first hunt that just don't do what you think they're going to do. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, and so I, I'm like, okay, she's steady. I've done this in my mind. I'm hoping that she's just amazing. But the fact that she's never been out there with the one, one thing difference that you can't simulate is your excitement. Yeah. And dogs read body language. They know tone of voice. And I cannot simulate the kind of excitement that I'm going to have on a hunt out training. And, and that goes right into the dog. And she may not be steady. She may, who knows, who knows what she's going to do. But I tell you, that first hunt, my gun's going to be down. I'm going to make the whole video of basically is going to be centered around her where the, the GoPro is actually going to be facing her, not the birds. And so I'm going to, and I'm, my gun's going to be down and I'm going to have other shooters. And so the whole thing's going to be okay. Making sure if she screws up, it's going to be learning experiences I'm not going to lose my head about the hunt and make sure that I'm, you know, doing what I need to do to, to not let her have bad habits right off the start. Yeah. I'm cautiously optimistic that she'll be awesome. No, that's one. good though. <laughs> I mean, at least you're, you're, you're thinking that, you know, that way I, I didn't take my gun on the first hunt either. Um, and I, I'm glad I didn't because you just can't. And that's just being kind of selfish. I think. Yeah. In some ways, I mean, yeah, we were passionate about hunting. We love hunting. But if I don't get, if like you said, if I don't bring a good uh, dog in the field, no one's going to want to hunt with me. I'm going to be frustrated. The dog's going to be confused and frustrated. You're not going to have any fun. Like, this is yeah. not going to be fun. So I cannot wait to watch that video. So are you, you're taking her dove hunting first? No, no. Um, I'm going into Nebraska for the first time and hunting oh. a Nebraska teal opener. Oh, you said September fifth. I thought you thought you said mm -hmm. August fifth. No, September fifth. So okay. I won't. I, I, I'm not going to do any dove hunting. Yeah, me this year. I, yeah, I'm. I, I don't. I don't. If know I do, much. I'm not taking Rocky. I, I last year I took him. And I said, you know what? At least out here, and I've talked to Chris about it, and he didn't think there was. You know, you're a bad person for that. And I mean, I, I love hunting with him. I love taking him, but it's so stinking hot on our dove opener and it's not worth it to me. I think, I think, I'm not 100% sure, and Chris thinks it too, I might have over overheated Rocky one time. I don't, I don't know exactly when it was. I don't know if it was training or hunting, but when the dog, this would be a tip for people listening with your dog. Okay, so when a dog pants, their tongue is out, right? And it moves forward and back, and it's usually flat when they're panting. When they are like to the point of really getting tempted out, is the end will curl all the way around completely and make a complete circle. And he said, when it starts doing that, you're at the max. You gotta get your your doggy. Even it doesn't matter if you have water or not. At that point, they're just they're pretty much done. And I feel like Rocky gets that way super easy now. I mean, we do have like today it's 110, so I can't oh train. Gosh. I can't train him. Like I can't even go out there at seven six in the morning. It's already 85 degrees. He gets, yeah. it's going to get hot so fast. He's obviously in a black dog on top of it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it stinks because my wife's like, why, why don't you go out there and do something with me? I go, Sarah, I can't. Besides doing water stuff, which I do, I'll even do in our pool and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. they, they, dogs actually, believe it or not, can get overheated in, in water too because their, their skin cannot breathe when it's submerged. And that's how a dog mm -hmm. uh, like um, sweats, I guess, so to speak, is through their through their skin like we do but when it's underwater i supposedly i've heard other dog trainers so they can't sweat 
So hmm. they could, if they're doing long, long water retrieves, that could be really bad for them. You know, if they're doing 100 yards, 150 yard water retrieves, it could be really bad supposedly. But so I just really try to stay really low. And then when it gets down into the 90s in the daytime, I'll go out there like six in the morning and we'll do water retrieve. You know, if it's in the 70s in the morning and we'll do our training. But it's just so tough in the summer. And so dove, dove hunting is the same. Like you're out there, it's smoking hot. And it just, I don't feel like dove hunting is worth it. I don't really feel like, oh man, I'm getting all this training out of it to be worth it, you know? Well, and, and doves are very feathery birds. Yes, and a lot sticky of, feathers. A lot of dogs hate that. Mm-hmm. And I know that I got some pigeons for Georgie. I don't know if you saw those videos. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I could tell that she did she did well with them. But even with pigeons, there's just so many feathers in their mouths. And <laughs> yeah, you can just tell that they... <laughs> yeah, and I don't want that to be for her first experience. Yeah, no, I really don't. I don't blame you one bit. And I, I know people are going to be like, well, why aren't you taking Rocky this year? It's like, dude, you know what? It's not worth it to me. I got him for a duck dog, and it is fun. Watch him retrieve does. He does get at that too, but it's like, it's just not worth it. It's just him getting heat exhausted and messed up like that. I, It's just not worth it. When we and you guys have a wet heat out there? Is it humid or is it a dry heat? Out of I would say it's, it's pretty dry, although... I say that, and then we go to places like Montana, and it's just like you're. I'm getting bloody noses and chapped lips, and I never get that. So I feel like it's, it's not as humid as it is where you guys are at, but it's mm-hmm. definitely. And I wouldn't say it's completely dry, like uh, you know, yeah, Montana or somewhere like that, because I it's a lot more dry there. But it's, it's pretty dry, man. I bet you were only like at thirty percent humidity or something like that. Mm-hmm. A one ten is one ten. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't think we've had any hundreds this summer. Thankfully, we've been in mid nineties a lot, but we haven't we haven't had any triple Man, digits that I know. We of. did good all up until about ten days ago, and it's been the forecast for three weeks is we it was a uh, one eleven yesterday. It was uh, one fifteen on Saturday. It's it's been insane. In fact, they're doing rolling blackouts with our power company because they said they don't have enough that. power to keep up with the grid. With how much everybody's running their like you know their air conditioner and all that stuff. So, anyways, a little bit more of a your state thing. is falling apart, man. Dude, your state is falling apart. I'm looking at it. Trust me when I say this. We have we got we've already made plans. I mean, it's not a secret. I thought should I say this publicly? But I mean, we've already been looking at multiple states. We've been, I mean, I've been to I've been a lot of places. I've been. You know, a lot of good places that I would love to move, and I like their politics, and I like their gun laws, and I like just mm-hmm. their everything. So trust me, it, I can tell you right now, and I don't mean to get political, but uh, like if they require here, if any state's going to do it, it's New York and California. If they require vaccines and make it mandatory, mm-hmm. we're, we're out of here. Because people are like, oh, if they do that, they're going to make it federal. And I go, I don't believe that. There's too many states that will fight that. Yeah. So I don't know, but if they do it, they're going to do it there. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. And if they do, we're out of here. And I, you know, so I've looked me, at what are I, your top three states? What are your top three states that you're thinking about? You're just going to think I'm saying this, but I'm hoping that Kansas is on that list. It, it is. It actually is. <laughs> Idaho. Is, I really want Idaho, honestly, mm-hmm. just because I've grown up with mountains really close to me my whole life and I love the mountains. But. Yeah. The problem with Idaho is I love it, but there's too many Californians moving there. And they've jacked the prices up so high. I've been looking at real estate for a couple months. We're going to fly there next month probably and just look around in a lot of literally 500 population towns. like, And we're looking at literally where there's nobody. 
But the pricing has just went up so much. So I'm like, you know what? I told my wife, I said, you know what? I could go to Kansas or Oklahoma or somewhere in that little Midwestern spot somewhere right there yeah. and probably do so much better. Do you guys have state tax? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or bad, not state, uh, like sales tax? Sales tax? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, our, our, our politics are are good in Kansas. Mm-hmm. They're solid. I, I've got no problem with it. What about, uh, state. So, so you're telling me that my truck uh, registration won't be $700 a year? No. <laughs> uh-uh. no. <laughs> Can you believe that? Is that, is that bizarre or what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you pay a couple hundred bucks for registration. Yeah, yeah. Well, Something like that. Depending on how nice your vehicle is. I mean, I've paid under $100 for crappy vehicles. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know what's so nice now, though, is just no. Uh, there's so many good things about it. I don't try to, I'm not trying to be mushy. Jordan was giving me a hard time the other day, like, sh- like showing a tear. And I said, no, for reals, man. It really is important. You're a blessed person if mm-hmm. you have good people in your lives and you have good friends. I mean, there's nothing like it. And, you know, there's things about certain... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like social media things that can be really negative, but there's so many positives too, like YouTube. I mean, who would have thought that we would be doing what we're doing now with the Flyways Collective and being friends and talking on the phone and calling each other and just lo- joking, laughing, doing videos together. It's yeah. like it now it's opened up so many more doors. So if I need to get out and move out of the state, I have good friends now in these other places that I can, it's just cool. I think it's really awesome. It is. It's ble- it's you know it's, it's a blessing. blessing. It is. It is. It really is. But uh, man, there. You know what? Let's do this uh, very soon again, Elliot. I'm running out of time. Um, let's do this again because we didn't even touch into. And I know there's a lot of people that would like to hear about e-caller. They would like to hear mm-hmm. more about Lantis because we really didn't go into details about it. Let's uh, do this sure. again and maybe do a part two and three even of it because I feel like this is an ongoing thing. And there was a lot of things I wanted to say about experiences I learned last year tra- working with Rocky hunting that I know to do better this year. So yeah, uh, can you tell good, man. Would love it. Can you tell us, uh, tell everybody where they can find you at? Well, it's freelance duck hunting on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Um, you know, that's in message me any of those places if you want to reach out i, I don't know about you i love it when people contact me and be like me hey i've been watching your stuff and yeah. i just i spend a lot of time going back and forth with people because mm-hmm. it's a topic i love talking about and i love it when people reach out so yep. feel free Same to man. contact me yeah and then check out their podcast the uh, duck gun podcast so go over there i knew and... i was forgetting something yeah in fact, in fact you mentioned e-collar we've got a whole hour over there oh. on e-collar from from chris jobman oh yeah people want to get in on that we've got a whole hour on that over there yep guys go over there check that stuff out if you want to hear some more dog train that you haven't heard on this podcast and if you're newer to the podcast the mvm show go back we've i don't know what we're on almost getting close to 80 episodes now which is crazy to think of but go back way back and you can see a lot of stuff uh chris aiken has been on twice on our podcast and we've done some other dog stuff so go check it out if you're interested in that thanks for listening guys and we'll See you on the next one.